Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Putin is killing his own. He's killing his family. I'm convinced that such a natural and necessary cleansing of society will only strengthen our country. The administration is now trying to say these are Putin's price hikes. This is all on Joe Biden. (laughs) It's enough to make your head spin. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right. Happy St. Paddy's Day. I remembered my green, which is unusual. I don't have that much green, but uh, got a green sweater vest on. How appropriate. Uh, boy, the theme of today's program is um, the, the unbelievable double standard of the mainstream media. My uh, partner, Benny, had an uh, adjective for it, but I can't repeat it. But um, to start off with, now this was first reported or made up, I should say, in the New Yorker magazine, which is a liberal publication. Been around for a lot of decades, but uh, last few decades, extremely liberal. Uh, the News and Observer naturally picked it up along with the uh, Charlotte Observer. The News and Observer is reporting, based on the report that originally showed up in the New Yorker magazine, that the North Carolina State Bureau of Investigation is looking into allegations that a former Trump aide who once represented a North Carolina in Congress may have committed voter fraud. Oh, my. Naz, uh, Nazneen Ahmed, spokeswoman for Et- Attorney General Josh Stein, confirmed the investigation into former President Trump's chief staff member, uh, officer, whatever you call him, Mark Meadows, the former congressman who represented North Carolina's westernmost district, registered to vote in September 2020 using an address he is accused of never visiting. Ahmed said Stein's office received a request from Macon County District Attorney Ashley Welsh that the Department of Justice's Special Prosecution Section assume her role in this matter, and the DOJ agreed. We have requested that the SBI investigate alongside with the State Board of Elections. At the conclusion of the investigation, we'll review the findings. Alleges, Alleges of voter misconduct against Meadows came to light after the Weekly Magazine spoke with the former property owner where Meadows claimed to have lived, she confirmed renting 495 McConnell Street, McConnell Road rather, in Scully Mountain to Meadows' wife Debbie for two months, but neighbors told her Mark Meadows never visited the property and his wife only spent a few nights there. How do they know? (laughs) How do they know? Uh, As of Thursday, Meadows remained registered to vote at that address. Meadows represented North Carolina's 11th congressional district from 2013 to 2020 of uh, March when he stepped down to take a job in the White House. Meadows has been a prominent voter fraud conspiracy theories, says the News and Observer, and has helped spread claims, they say false claims, I'll just say claims that the 2020 election of Joe Biden was stolen. Uh, Voter fraud, really? Uh, Listen, what they're saying is he is registered to vote at this rental property that was in the congressional district that he lived in. 
He said that's where he was, and, and that's where he voted. And they're calling that voter fraud. <laughs> My gosh, of all the things to go at, I mean, we're talking about, it, it didn't, I mean, he, he was going to vote in that congressional district. That's where he lived. And that's where he voted. The, the only allegation is, uh, we never saw him there. Uh, must be fraud. I mean, we're talking about the, the fraud that went on in the last general election. And by the way, the longer this goes on, the more reports are coming out that, yeah, there was, there was obvious voter fraud in several states. There was just a report yesterday that Nevada has just said, uh, we're done. We're done with these Dominion machines. We're going back to strictly paper ballots. I mean, one county in Nevada said this. No more Dominion machines, nothing but paper ballots. I mean, we, we still have uh, up in Wisconsin, the uh, former Supreme Court justice has a, a, a huge report talking about the fraud that went on there. And I know people are still scoffing at it. The liberal, ah, nothing ever happened. But what do they do? Was there a response? Ha, we found a conservative. We found a conservative and we think he had the wrong address for where he should have been voting from. There, I mean, there's not accusations that somehow, you know, he was stuffing some suitcase full of ballots and was going out and ballot harvesting or anything like that. Their, their accusation is, uh, what, I mean, they, they, frankly, that's where he was registered to vote. That, that nothing in this report says that he actually even voted. I'm sure he did. I, th- I would think he did. But, and then they're saying, well, he never showed up there. Well, the guy was working for Donald Trump. He was flying not only all over the nation, but all over the world. And they're complaining, well, I didn't say I'm there. <laughs> I mean, this is some house up in the mountains. Wow. Uh, you, uh, the typical yellow journalism, though. Oh, they're running with it. They thought, oh, oh, we got Mark Meadows. Oh, we've got him. Typical. How useless is the United Nations? Now, I've been saying for years, could we please get the United Nations out of our country? I mean, it just brings who knows how much corruption, how much spying internet. Why do we get to host the United Nations? Could somebody else please have it? Guy Benson of Town Hall points out a stark reminder of how useless the United Nations actually is. The Russian government ordered an invasion of a sovereign country with a far-fetched stated goal of decapitating its allegedly Nazi leadership. The Russian campaign has included the shelling and targeting of citizens, civilians. They've bombed multiple hospitals, taking hostages from other hospitals. The Russians struck a theater in the middle of a park, which was being used as a bomb shelter for women and children, ignoring the word word children written in large letters on each side of the building. The Kremlin has loudly objected to President Biden labeling Putin a warm criminal. But what else would you call a man that has done this, continues to do this? Late last month, Russia used its status as a permanent member of the United Nations Security Council to veto a resolution demanding an end to its war, instantly the Russians killed this measure. 
the b- debate within that body over Russians' flagrantly illegal and totally unjustified war was presided over by the Russian ambassador. The wider UN General Assembly, best known for endless castigations of Israel, followed up with an overwhelming denunciation of Russia's action. The vote was 141 to 5, with several dozen absent uh, abstentions. Meanwhile, the Russian government retains its seat on the UN's Human Rights Council. According to the UN's own information on their website, Russia continues to be listed as an active member in good standing of the world's human rights body, alongside such colleagues as China, Cuba, Libya, Sudan, Venezuela. The rules allow the General Assembly to expel expel members of the Human Rights Council by a two-thirds majority vote. Has this ever been proposed? No. Has it ever been attempted? No. Now, remember, Donald Trump quit the Human Rights Council because it was a joke, and it's still a joke. Joe Biden, on the other hand, as soon as he got into office, he rejoined this farce of a panel with great fanfare, denunciating how terrible Trump was. Oh, he left this important whatever. And he, you know, uh, uh, Biden's excuse was, well, they need our leadership. <laughs> yeah, your leadership. Once again, Donald Trump was right. This is a joke. The UN is a joke. Team Biden's justification, we'll get back to the table. Oh, we need to get back to the table so we can lead. So where is your leadership? Where is your leadership on this? Russia is still a active member in good standing of the world's human rights body. Has the Biden administration moved to boot Russia out? No. What is the point of the UN? Apparently, the point of the UN is to make Russia, China, Cuba, Libya, Sudan, and Venezuela look good and any other of the thug rogue nations. This is unbelievable. I mean, it's useless. And why? I guarantee you, Biden has restored all the money that the Trump administration took away from the UN. Why in the world? I'm trying to keep my comments PG. Why in the world are we a part of any of the UN? It's a joke. It is an absolute joke. And when we sit there and say, well, we've got to have a seat at the table, we're legitimizing the joke. Donald Trump was absolutely right. Meanwhile, back in Russia, dissenters are being arrested and prosecuted more than ever. Weapons from the United States and other Western nations coupled with the Ukrainians' extraordinary patriotism and bravery are packing a devastating punch. But why have the MiG jets not been delivered? Here's Jen Psaki's cut one, Clark. This is Jen Psaki from yesterday's press briefing when she was asked, why no MiG jets? Just one more, and a lot of people have asked about the, uh, the MiGs, but can you lay out for us why the administration sees MiGs as provocative 
and javelins and stingers is not provocative? Well, first, javelins and stingers are defensive weapons. Uh, MIGs or planes are offensive weapons, which are a different type of military system. I would say the other assessment that we've done, not through here, not through the White House, not through the President, from, from the Department of Defense, is to assess what is effective and what works uh, in terms of fighting this war on the ground. And that is why we provided an additional uh, $1 billion, $800 million announced today, but $1 billion this week, uh, of assistance, uh, utilizing a number of the um, high-level military uh, systems stingers, javelins, counter-artillery, counter-mortar radar, anti-armor systems that we know have been effective and we know the Ukrainians are trained on. Uh, third, Ukraine's Air Force already has several squadrons of mission-capable aircraft, and giving them more would not significantly change their effectiveness. And finally, I touched on this in the beginning, offensive versus defensive, but we also do risk assessments from the Department of Defense about what would be escalatory, um, and what, and that is obviously uh, what we would like to avoid. So Jen Psaki, oh, they got enough airplanes. They got enough. They can take care of it. Well, so why are the why are the uh, Ukrainians begging to get these MIGs? Jen Psaki knows more than they do, I guess. <laughs> but she says, well, we're not going to give the planes because they are offensive, and the javelin missiles are defensive. So if you're using planes to defend your country from another country invading you, you are now the aggressor. And shooting a javelin missile and blowing up a tank and killing its crew, that's defensive. (laughs) I mean, does the White House think they're going to take these MiG jets and fly them over to Moscow and start bombing Moscow? She's, oh my. it's, uh, It's pretty hopeless. Uh, Meanwhile, a U.S. citizen has been killed in the Ukrainian city of Chernev. Heavy artillery attack. Apparently, civilians were literally standing in a bread line when uh, heavy artillery attack came in in this city. The victim is identified by his sister as James Whitney Hill. My brother Jimmy Hill was killed yesterday in Chernev, Ukraine, Cheryl Hill wrote on Facebook. Cheryl Hill uh, Gordon is her full name. He was waiting at a bread line with several people when they were gunned down by Russian military snipers. So, I mean, th- th- this, is, this is blatant. I mean, this isn't a missile that got off target. These people were killed by snipers. In other words, they got them in their scope and they gunned them down purposely, knowing, I mean, they're standing in a bread line. They weren't sneaking behind cars with a gun in their hand. A friend, Karen Mosley, told a station up in um, Iowa, I'm sorry, Idaho, that uh, Hill was trapped in Cherniv. He went over there in December where his partner, Irina, a Ukrainian citizen, was being treated in a hospital for multiple sclerosis, sclerosis. Um, A friend, Karen Mosley, told the station that Hill had been thrust into literally the middle of hell after traveling to Ukraine in December. Earlier Thursday, a State Department spokesperson told the New York Post, we can confirm the death of the U.S. citizen in Ukraine on March the 17th. We offer our sincere condolences. They didn't say anything more out of um, uh, respect for the family. The confirmation came just hours after police in Chernev 
claimed that at least one U.S. citizen was killed following heavy attack. Today, occupiers once again carried out a heavy artillery attack on unarmed civilians. There are dead and wounded people among the dead, a U.S. citizen. Police wrote on Facebook, police officers are helping to evacuate effective citizens to medical facilities. Chernev police investigators are working at the scene. Law enforcement officers are carefully documenting all the circumstances and consequences of Russia war crimes. Confirmation marks the second death of a U.S. citizen. Uh, Brent Renal, a award-winning journalist, formerly worked for the New York Times, was killed in Kiev uh, last Sunday. Following his death, the National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said Russia will face appropriate consequences. So far, nada. Not a thing. Uh, This is interesting. Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov was apparently flying to Beijing from Moscow to meet with the uppity-ups of China. You know, right now, Russia and China are putting on this show that they're great buddies, that they got this big alliance. He was halfway there when the plane allegedly turned around and went back to Moscow. And he ended up landing about the time he was supposed to have landed in China. He was back in Moscow. Um, There's speculation on this. Is China now refusing to meet with the Russian official? Did Putin call Lavrov back for some reason? Did it have something to do with how bad the war was going? I, I don't know. Uh, total speculation. But I would, uh, I would think China is watching real carefully. And they are noticing real clearly how Russia has brought NATO and the European Union and European countries in general together like never before. We'll see where that goes. We've got lots more to talk about. Love to hear from you. 561-8255. We're going to take a time out. We'll be right back. Join the show. 252-561-TALK. News and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back again. It is... uh, why does it say March 16th? It's March 17th. St. Patty's Day. <laughs> Take it. We got the wrong day on our weather. That's all right. We know it's the 17th of March, and it's St. Patty's Day. Uh, Take a look at your weather forecast tonight. Patchy fog after um, 5 a.m., so that'll be early morning. Uh, low tonight around 50 degrees. Tomorrow looks pretty good. Fog in the morning, then sunshine, high near 78. Chance of rain late Friday night, early Saturday morning. But uh, after that, the sun comes out. The high on Saturday near 81. Saturday night, partly cloudy, low around 52. And sunshine with a high near 67 on Sunday. So all in all, pretty nice. Good time to get out and play some golf. Right now, Ironwood is saying, come on and join. And uh, no initiation fee. Warmer weather is here. What a better way to enjoy the outdoors with family and friends than being greenside or poolside. Voted best golf course in Greenville three years in a row. Ironwood Golf and Country Club is waiving all initiation fees and wants you to join in the fun and become a member today. Not a golfer? Ironwood's new social membership includes access to their competition-sized swimming pool, clay-service tennis courts, and member-only full-service restaurant. For more information, contact membership director Jenna Doyle. Give her a call, 
752-4653. Marty from Plymouth is on the line. Hey, Marty, how are you, sir? He just said, Marty, call us back. Too much St. Patty's celebration, I guess, for Marty. Marty, that sounds like a good uh, Irish name. Marty O'Brien. Fox News is reporting that the deputy chief of Russia's National Guard is reportedly detained amid news that Russia Vladimir Putin is cracking down on disloyalty within his ranks following the invasion of Ukraine. Russian General Roman Gavrilov of the internal military force of the Russian Federation that reports directly to the president of the Russian Federation was detained by the Russian Security and Counterintelligence Agency, Federal Security Service. The Russian Gravilov's detention, the reason for Gravilov's detention, was not immediately clear. One source said he was detained over leaks of military information that led to loss of life. Two other sources said it was because of wasteful squandering of fuel. Gravilov previously worked for the Federal Protective Service. Their task was to protect Putin. Russia state-run media reported on Thursday that Gravilov had been fired in a message to Telegram. Senior United Russia official Alexander Kinsting said despite his dismissal, reports that Gravilov had been arrested were totally untrue. This comes as Putin said in a Wednesday address that his country will undergo self-purification of traitors as Russian troops continue to bombard Ukrainian civilians and advance towards Kiev. Sounds like uh, Putin's getting a little paranoid, among other things. The Russian people will always be able to distinguish true patriots from scum and traitors and simply spit them out of our mouth like a fly that accidentally flew in. <laughs> that is a strange uh, parallel. Okay. Uh, Putin said, I am convinced that such a natural and necessary self-purification of society will only strengthen our country, our solidarity, cohesion, and readiness to respond to any challenge. After the speech, flight trackers purportedly detected a mass exodus of private jets flying out of Moscow toward Dubai, suggesting that Russian oligarchs are fleeting, anticipating Putin's crackdown. And this is really interesting. I mean, you've heard about the 2 million people who have left Ukraine for other European countries. Apparently, there's some 15,000 Russians. uh, I'm sorry. First of all, there's 15,000 Russians that have been detained across Russia, but there have been thousands of Russians, more than this, who have left Russia, they're leaving Russia for other countries, for safer havens. But, but I mean, if you have the oligarchs saying, I'm out of here, what do they know about Putin? I mean, he is either really ticked and they're coming down hard and uh, they feel like, okay, I could be found guilty of something. Or they just think this guy's an out-and-out nut. I think it's probably the latter. So, you have people leaving. You have oligarchs leaving. You have, uh, there's, 
Putin has got his has his hands full. That's for sure. By the way, earlier this week we talked about the fact that Madison Cawthorn was at a rally last week, and uh, Madison decided he would uh, come out and call um, Ukrainian President Zelensky a thug. Guess who is running that video over and over again? Putin in Russia. An expert who studies Russian propaganda recently told Insider, Business Insider, that was reporting on this, that the Kremlin and its allies have a very clear political motivation in mind. A spokesperson for Cawthorn um, from North Carolina later clarified that the lawmaker did not mean to imply that he does not support Ukraine in the war. More senior Republican lawmakers roundly criticized Cawthorn for his comments. Cawthorn's office previously said that the lawmaker's comments were misunderstood. A U.S. spokesperson repeated on Thursday, Russian disinformation twists words, removes context, and uses selective sound bites to further their political agenda, Cawthorn spokesperson Luke Bell said in a statement to Business Insider. Ball also likened Russia state media to the U.S. mainstream media. Uh, you can imagine Cawthorn's primary opponents, which uh, there's a bunch of them, are going to be uh, all over this. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with the spokesperson that says, uh, yeah, they're 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 going to twist the words. But frankly, when I heard the words with no commentary around them when they were first played from Madison Cawthorn, I thought to myself, well, that's, that's pretty clear what you're saying. Uh, it, it was, I, I mean, this wasn't something that he said two months ago. This was less than a week ago he made these comments. I mean, we were well, I mean, what are we, into the uh, third week of the war now? So uh, at least two weeks had passed when he made these comments. By the way, there was a poll out. Uh, this poll was from um, about two weeks ago, March 7th. And right now, this poll, by, by the way, and some of these people in the Republican primary are as, they're very conservative. I, I mean, I don't want to compare one to the other, but a number of these are very conservative. Um, but as you look at the polling, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Republicans running, which bodes well for Madison Cawthorn because he's got the largest chunk and the others are going to end up splitting the vote. You've got Matthew, uh, Matthew Burrell, who's got almost 5% of the vote, according to this poll. Rod Honeycutt, 2.1%. Bruce O'Carroll, 5.8%. Wendy Navarra, 3.3%. Michelle Woodhouse, 1.3%. The largest uh, percentage other than Cawthorn is Chuck Edwards. I believe he is in the state house, and uh, state house or state senate. And uh, he's at 10.4%. Madison Cawthorn is at 61.7%. Now, it would be real curious to see a poll. Now, you're not going to see that many polls on a congressional primary. But if you were to see a before and after poll, my hunch is that Madison Cawthorn still is going to have a decisive chunk of the vote. But I wouldn't be surprised if that 61% is, uh, is moving in the wrong direction for Madison right now based on uh, what he has said. 
not uh, not his uh, most brilliant moment. Let's put it that way. Um, talking about the mainstream media, I mean, my lead story was uh, the fact that you had Mark Meadows as being accused of voter fraud, which, as I said, is a total joke. Uh, you want to hear a bigger joke? You know Stacey Abrams down in Georgia is running for governor again. And now she supposedly is ought to be the governor now, according to Stacey. Now everybody jumps all over Donald Trump because he said this last general election was unfair. Stacey Abrams has never conceded that she lost the election. The makers of the the newest version of Star Trek. What is the newest version called now, guys? Uh, Star Trek Discovery. I thought it was uh, Star Trek Picard. I don't know. This this is Star Trek Discovery. I I haven't seen any Star Trek episodes since Leonard Nimoy. Ben says you're correct. Oh, is that okay? The new one is Star Trek Discovery. There's two of them total. Two. Yeah. Well, Star Trek Picard. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, Star Trek. There's like a dozen of them, isn't there? Sure. Anyway, space is a lot to fill up. <laughs> <laughs> the final frontier. Um, Blaze is reporting that um, leftist gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams has been given a part that elevates her profile on this year's final episode of Star Trek Discovery. Come on. I know. It's unbelievable. Uh, And again, look, there's no way you're going to take a conservative candidate and the the makers of Star Trek Discovery are going to come say, hey, we want to put you in this last episode. She plays the um, president of Earth. (laughs) Stacey Abrams is president of Earth United. And believe it or not, they actually made her look fairly thin. (laughs) <laughs> it's amazing what you can do with a camera. <laughs> what happened? So, yeah. So, her, I, I mean, you can see liberals at, at Star Trek have said, oh, we need, we need to help Stacy." So, now, if this was a conservative, you know, they would be screaming and hollering that this is an illegal campaign contribution, which maybe the conservatives ought to holler about her. Uh, a number of people on Twitter who have seen the clips. You go Google it. Go, go Google Stacey Abrams' Star Trek Discovery. Uh, one person said, is this a campaign ad? An- <laughs> Another person said, set phasers to cringe. Uh, somebody else said, what did I just watch? Is this deep fake? From fake governor to fake president, if this was an SNL skit, it would be hilarious, another commentator said. (laughs) How to give a politician greater delusion of grandeur. That's what they're doing. Uh, Unbelievable. Yeah, double standard. As usual. Hey, uh, we got to take another time out. We come back, we're going to play political trivia, so give us a call, 561-8255. Got a great prize package, 561-8255. Your category, Ulysses S. Grant. Give us a call. We'll play when we get back. Five, two, five, five.
Welcome back in. It is time for political trivia. 561-8255. We got a line or two open yet. Category today, Ulysses S. Grant. Price package includes a free oil change for your car or pickup at Dave Davis's East Carolina Chrysler Dodge Jeep or at Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. A gift certificate from Fit for Life 24, including two free training sessions with a fitness coach. A $20 gift card to Mucho Bueno for lunch or dinner. Mucho Bueno, real Mexican street food located in front of the Westbrook Shopping Center, U.S. 70 West in Havelock. Also a $20 gift card to Gwendy's Goodies Bakery in Aden. Delicious baked from scratch goodies. An Ironwood gift certificate and a $100 certificate for tax services at any of the area Kidwell H&R Block offices. Remember, if you or anyone in your immediate family have won recently, let 60 days pass before you play again. Category, Ulysses S. Grant. First up is Doug from New Bern. Hey, Doug. How you doing? You ready to play? Yeah, I reckon. All right. Here you go. Here's your question. On August 22nd, 1848, Ulysses S. Grant married Julia Dent at Julia's parents' home outside of St. Louis. Grant's parents refused to attend the wedding and disapproved of the marriage. Why? Because he, her parents were shopkeepers. That's not it. It had something to do with uh, her family, though. So you gave him a little hint there, but that wasn't it. But uh, hey, thanks for calling. Five six one eight two five five. Let's go to Emerald Isle. We have Bruce on the line. Hey, Bruce. Hey. Do you hear the question? I'm ready. You ready? Yeah. All right. Yes, sir. Here's the question. On August 22nd, 1848, Ulysses S. Grant married Julia Dent at Julia's parents' home in St. Louis. Grant's parents refused to attend the wedding and disapproved of the marriage. Why? Um, she was of a different religion persuasion. That's a great guess. And when I tested the question out, that's what people said, but that's not it. But good guess, Bruce. Thanks. 561-8255. Let's go to Debbie. Hey, Debbie. Hi. What do you think? Why did Ulysses S. Grant's parents disapprove of the wedding and they refused to attend? Because her family owned slaves. That's it! Congratulations! Did you know that or was that a guess? My husband knew it. <laughs> well, congratulations to your hubby. Yeah, you're a good tag team. Yeah. Yeah. Grant's abolitionist father disapproved of the Dent family owning slaves, and neither of Grant's parents approved of the marriage, and neither attended it. So you got to watch. I mean, isn't that the irony of ironies, though, is that uh, he turned around and uh, was the uh, key general for the North when uh, the war came to a conclusion? In fact, that's a little trivia. You know, uh, Grant actually was given a slave from his father-in-law, and he was an owner of a slave when Lee surrendered at Appomattox. Lee had freed family slaves that he inherited. Grant still owned a slave. A little bit of irony there. Where are you calling from, Debbie? Um, from Edenton, North Carolina. All right. Well, hang on the line. Clark's going to get all your information, and uh, we'll get you those goodies. Stay with us. I'll be right back. He's washed his hands so many times he can now see the answers to his tests from high school. Uh, those aren't the right answers. And you never know what to expect with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Congratulations to Debbie Parker of Edenton, North Carolina. She got it right. 
Grant's parents didn't show up to his wedding because uh, he was marrying into a family who owned slaves, and Grant's uh, father was a uh, strict abolitionist, disapproved of the Dent family owning slaves, and uh, they didn't show up. There's a lot of irony to that, isn't there? By the way, if you've got a uh, young person in high school and he or she is thinking about going to uh, or applying to one of the service academies, this is an opportunity that you want to take note of. On Saturday, March the 26th, Congressman Greg Murphy has announced he will be hosting a third district service academy day. Now, if your son or daughter is in the 7th to 12th grades, they probably want to come down to this. It's, again, on Saturday, March 26th. It will take place at the Craven Community College, 800 College Court in Newburn, North Carolina. It'll be from uh, 10 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. So if you're thinking about going to one of the U.S. Service Academies, they'd like to attend there. This is an opportunity to find out more information. Now, you don't have to RSVP, but uh, it would be a help if you did. And if you'd like to attend or your son or daughter would like to attend, give the Greenville office for Greg Murphy a call. That number is 252-931-1003. The Hill is reporting the Democrats are uh, basically down to their last batter. It's the bottom of the ninth, and the person coming up to the plate has struck out every time, literally every time. What happened? (laughs) No, it's not Joe. I'm not talking about Joe. Yet this person, according to the uh, woke playbook, checks off most of the boxes. So um, if she doesn't work out, it's not her fault. It's obviously those uh, chauvinist, racist uh, voters out there. That being said, according to The Hill, the Dems are trotting trotting out, I should say, Kamala Harris to shore up their chances of retaining the House and the Senate. Yeah, I'm not kidding. They, that's, uh, I, boy, I, I never thought I'd feel sorry for the Democrats, but boy, it's uh, they are really down to the uh, bottom of the barrel. Vice President Hill will be hitting the road more frequently in the coming weeks and months. Sources familiar with the plans tell the Hill that uh, she's our gal. They say that she will be spending more time crisscrossing the country and touting the successes of the administration. that's going to be a short speech she can say uh, i'm here to tell you all the wonderful things we've accomplished and then she can begin her laugh finally uh finally it will be something appropriate to laugh about though right harris will travel to louisiana on friday and there will be other domestic trips next week i guess the foreign trips haven't been working out so well so they got to send her somewhere but um One Democratic strategist told The Hill that Harris would be deployed to communities and geographies where the vice president is maybe even more resonant and popular than any other member of the administration. I think that's sort of a backhanded compliment, isn't it? We don't have anybody that uh, is really likable, So, uh, but she might be likable. And it probably is their way of saying, because— Remember earlier, I think it was earlier this week or late last week, I had mentioned that the Republicans have increased the black vote in America from 14% to 27%, which is, I mean, that's incredible. If, if that is true and that holds up 
And they also have a nine percentage point advantage in the Hispanic community. If those polling numbers, if they're just halfway true, it's uh, the, the Democrats are not looking forward to, to this November. We can put it that way. But uh, if that is true, and, uh, you know, again, if it's halfway true, then they're, they're hoping Kamala will uh, turn that around. I don't see it happening. Uh, again, our theme is the mainstream media and uh, how they get it wrong every time. The New York Post editorial board today came out and slammed the New York Times. Why? Because finally, after a year and a half, the New York Times has finally conceded that the Hunter Biden laptop and the contents on it are for real. The Post said, forgive the profanity, but you have to be blanking us. First, the New York Times decides more than a year later that Hunter Biden's business woes are worthy of a story. Then, deep in the piece, in passing, it notes that Hunter's laptop is legitimate. There were email exchanges, exchanges between Hunter and other colleagues about the Bursama and other foreign business activity, as the Times noted in a stu- uh, story published yesterday. Those emails were obtained by the Times from a cache of files that appeared to have come from a laptop abandoned by Mr. Biden in a Delaware repair shop. By the way, the owner of that repair shop, he's had to move out of the state, and uh, he's basically gotten, he's gone out of business, and uh, uh, apparently he cannot get unemployment. He has asked the uh, senator from Delaware to step in and help. So far, uh, he is still in rough shape. Going with the story, the email and others in the cache were authenticated from people familiar with them and with the investigation, the Times reported. The Post mocked the Times, alleging its New York counterpart failed to dig in and push back on the deflections from the Biden family. Authenticated? You don't say. You mean when a newspaper actually does reporting on a topic and it doesn't just try to whitewash coverage for the Joe Biden family? It discovers it was actually true, the Post reported. The Post said the Times never missed a chance to cast doubt on the laptop and called it unsubstantiated. The Times quietly removed its assertion in September that the Post reporting on Hunter's laptop was unsubstantiated. Why was it unsubstantiated, the Post wrote? Because of willful willful ignorance and the Times' curious lack of curiosity. Hunter's business partner, Tody Bobolinsky, Tony Bobolinsky came forward immediately after the Post reports and confirmed that the emails bearing his name were legitimate. The Biden family didn't even deny that it wasn't true. They just deflected, and the media helped, saying it was a dirty trick and not a story. Remember, the uh, NPR refused to report on this story at all. Now the Times admits it's all true. The New York Times, the liberal New York Times, admits it's all true. Now, back when Biden was running— and he needed the votes, they wouldn't say anything. But now it's true. NPR, they said, we're not going to touch it. We're not going to have anything to do with it. And they said, I quote, we don't want to waste our listeners' time. Remember what Twitter did. They kicked the New York Post off of Twitter for, what was it, a, a couple of months because of this story. You've got to be kidding me. I mean, I, I guess it's uh, it's okay that the, the Times came out and now have 
vindicated the well. They, they, they need to vindicate themselves. They don't need to vindicate the post. The post is fine by itself, but it is it is disgusting how the mainstream media whitewashes things that the liberals do. By the way, one last story. This is actually sort of a sad story. This is also out of the post, by the way. There has been a video that has come out of California where a DUI suspect died. Apparently, there was a court order to uh, arrest a man named Edward Bronstein, 38 years old at the time. This happened back March the 31st, 2020. This was actually two months before the death of George Floyd. Bornstein was arrested for drunk driving, California Highway Patrol. They were, by court order, told to take a blood sample to verify whether or not his blood alcohol was illegal. He refused. And the Highway Patrol, they they tried to talk him into volunteering to do this. He refused to do it. They ended up pinning him down and uh, taking the blood sample. As it turns out, while they were pinning him down, he, like George Floyd, also said, I can't breathe. Also, like uh, George Floyd, in the um, afterwards, the coroner's office attributed Bronstein's death to acute uh, meth intoxication during restraint by law enforcement. Uh, and, And it's alarming how similar this was between what happened to this Edward Bronstein and what happened to George Floyd. Now, obviously, the the George Floyd was spur of the moment. The situation out in California with the California Highway Patrol, they had a court order to take the blood sample, but both George Floyd and Bronstein passed away. My one point on this, and and, and both, both situations are very, very sad, and they shouldn't have happened, but the rush to judgment that was made by those who insisted that George Floyd's death would never have happened. It only happened because he was a black individual. This exact same thing happened out in California two months prior to what happened to George Floyd, and this person was a Caucasian. So for those people that said, you know, this is, this is all about uh, racism, it's a, both of them are sad situations. They're terrible situations. Uh, unfortunately, you know, when the police have got to make these spur of the moment decisions and the situation in California, again, they were under a, a court, they had the papers right there and you can go see the video. I, I, if you go Google, uh, Edward, uh, Bronstein and the uh, California highway patrol, you'll come to the video. It's alarming. Uh, and I, I, I can't. I can't immediately say that um, now there's going to be a lawsuit. Uh, the family of Bronstein is going to sue the highway patrol. And you know what? They'll they'll probably win. Uh, it's a sad state of affairs. Unfortunately, the bottom line in both situations is drug abuse. And unfortunately, our drug problems are coming in at south of the border. Uh, they're rampant. Hey, listen, we got to run. Congratulations again to Debbie Parker of Edenton, North Carolina, our political trivia winner. We'll do it again tomorrow at 5 o'clock. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.